Holy moly, we're live, Field? Yes, we are. Uh, I told you just a minute ago, this is a great privilege. Uh, myself and the Conclave completely agree that you are the leader of the resistance. And so we've been trying to emulate you uh, since we came across you and our good friend John Barnwell, who, of course, you know from texting a lot with him, and your uh, partner, Dave uh, Knight. Is it Knight? I, see, I, oh, I, David Hawkins. Hawkins, Hawkins, yeah, the Hawk. What am I thinking? Dave, David Hawk, Hawkins. Uh, he yep. can, he's been contacting you, and Betsy, my counterpart, uh, yes. has been uh, contacting you a lot. And as we have been researching SES, you have been saying, you know, cheerleading us on, and so that has really made us feel good. But that you've agreed to talk with me today is just an honor. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Field. Okay, but uh, let's keep things in perspective here. I'm put in a very unusual position, and I didn't put myself in this position, but God, in fact, did. And I say that because I'm the only sibling, I'm the only full-blood relative to Christine Marcy, who I characterize as the second most evil person in America that I know. And I also, people like it when I am direct and I don't hide and the first, the person that I consider more evil than my sister is George H.W. Bush, mm -hmm. because for personal gain, he has killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. But going back to why this is not about me, um, on the morning of 9-11, I had three direct connections. Hillary and my sister deployed intellectual property that I shared with my sister on, uh, in December of 1988. That was the droning of airliners. Um, my college classmate, Francis Chick Burlingame, was the captain of American 77, which did not hit the Pentagon, and I could not have controlled either. I couldn't control him being my classmate or his aircraft not hitting the Pentagon. My third connection is the North Dakota Air National Guard, uh, which is in Fargo, North Dakota. I flew with them for 16 years in the air defense mission, the North Dakota Air National Guard uh, had the three F-16s overhead Washington and a fourth F-16 overhead New York on the morning of 9-11. So I'm going to say this as calmly and with as much confidence as is humanly possible. I have nothing to do with this except for God put me in this position and he told me to expose evil. And, uh, you know, I pray to him daily that I'm not falling short of what he would like me to try to accomplish for his people and for his world, which he created. Over to you, Doug. Absolutely. We, that's the way we feel, too. We, we feel called. And it's, a, it's nothing that we really uh, wanted to do, but we are engaged in a battle. And you have been, uh, we, we call you Field Marshal because you are one of the leaders, if not the major leader for the last, well, since, since I can remember. And all the members of the Conclave just want to thank you, and I want to thank you for this conversation, because a few, about a year ago, when one of our Conclave members kept pounding on our head to uh, really study what you said, we looked at the QRS-11, which of course now is the QRS-14 in some cases, and the uninterruptible uh, autopilot, which was conclusive proof that 911 could not have happened without an inside conspiracy and case right there. So we looked at that and we studied it. And it then led us to write some articles and do some things called um, Hillary can take down planes and trains and cars. And she can because she was in on the QRS 11 development, 
which then turned into the basic uh, Rose Law Firm, Little Rock, Arkansas patent theft that became what has been the mess that we see as the takeover of our economy by Silicon Valley. So she was right there. And so you led us to that. And then that led us to uh, a company called uh, Agilent, which created the uh, a patent, international patent, which is like the Internet of Things. And so that took us forever. And we linked up with the Americans for Innovation and all these people. So literally, Field, you have hundreds of people that you have stimulated to study these things. And then that led us Finally, I stood back and went, well, but he keeps saying SES, you know, so we looked at SES and wrote an article, an intelligence report about it, and it was read all over the place and probably embedded in 50 different places where people really got the message that SES is a government-sanctioned deep state, and it's exactly what you say it was, that you've always said it was, and that you were directly connected to this person, and every time we look at your sister's activities... It leads us into evil that we have to back up from because, as I say, we've now been really researched QRS-11, and then that led us into SES. That's led us into Circo. So we did a big expose on SES, as you know, and that's what we were all about. We wanted to prove what you said was true. So we got experts to go into the plum books to try to get the information out because those government, those government documents are court documents. So we tried to figure them out. They're full of sabotage and tripwires and all kinds of stuff. Geniuses had to learn how to do this. And then there's keys in it. You got to go to Google and then Google will go to you and then it'll control, it'll, it'll target you. So be careful. So if you want to look at the Plum Book, go through either Americans for Innovation or you can also get it through aimfortruth.org, which is who we are, the Anonymous Patriots, which twice a day we put up an intelligence report, aggregate news, all open source, called Truth News Headlines. And I... And you have posted so many of our things, Field. We can't thank you enough. But our things are simply supplementing yours. And we some people get really mad at us. They say, you don't give him enough credit. I try every time I mention SES to thank you because I didn't know it existed. And it was such a shock to find out it existed, how it has permeated everything. And so the issue you're even dealing with now, Serco controls elements of Homeland Security, which controls huge sections of the documentations for immigration and for you know citizenship in america and so i know you're over there and you're you're wherever you're at you seem to be uncovering stuff so i guess what i'm saying is thank you and and you have put to put us on the right thing and we have been battling it out and we know that ses the reports on ses and 10 years of your research has uh, culminated now that we're hearing that every department every federal department every agency Top executives are trying to retire now, early. They think, and then they say, oh, and then there's a rumor. You can go online and plug in the name of anyone in the federal government and find out if they're SES. Yes, that is true. And that's because you put us onto that. So I can't thank you enough. And if I haven't thanked you in any audio I've ever done, then it's just stupidity on my part. Uh, because really, you gave us the courage to do what so many of us citizen journalists are doing, which is... Take our time. We're retired, a whole group of us, and we, we have time to research this stuff. We have time to go into open source. We have time to follow down every trail, put it in intelligence reports, and make sure it's delivered to everyone in America who wants the truth, just like you. So, again, I'm probably going to be thanking you a thousand times because I'm really excited to be on the air with you. 
Because I've never really thought that we, uh, I, that I personally or the Conclave or the Anonymous Patriots were worthy enough to have a chat with you until we had done some work to show you that we're behind you and we're going to keep going after the other things you've targeted. The next thing is Serco. And man, you are so right. I, I didn't know Serco existed. So you keep giving us the hot topics and you have so many people now because a lot of people have come to join us and help us in research and in what we call mining, getting down into where this gold is, but it's hidden in government documents and bringing it up. So thank you again. And okay. I, 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 I thank you, but then again, it just means I'm going to have to work a whole lot harder when I keep trying to catch up with all the things. I understand why you've been over there. You've been revealing new things uh, <laughs> that are shocking as, as always. So thank you, uh, sir. We, we, every member of the conclave asked me to thank you personally for the work that you've been doing for the last decade and beyond to fight as a true American patriot to make sure that the Republic isn't overthrown. Well, okay, and let me just uh, give credit where credit is due. Um, for a number of years, it was just two of us, myself and David Hawkins from Vancouver, British Columbia, and he's the intelligent one and the dot connector and the researcher, and uh, I'm effectively his foil, but what makes me, um, I think, somewhat more attractive for people that want to talk to one of us, David or myself, is I can communicate with a sophomore in high school that's got a C minus average. And uh, here's an example. Uh, I can tell a uh, high school, well, uh, that guy down, David Hogg, the guy that thinks he's a high school student and actually he's a very poor actor, I could communicate with him and convince him that the reason that my wife, Denise Irene Clark McConnell, is not allowed into the United States is because my sister, Christine Marcy, used to effectively influence the National Visa Center and uh, my sister has some form of handling of Hillary Clinton and Obama both. And that brings up another thing. Uh, Obama, whose name is Barry Swatero, uh, went to the high school that I graduated from. And that's Punahou School in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so I graduated in 67. He graduated in 79. And on the Punahou website and the Punahou alumni uh files, paperwork, documents as recently as 10 years ago, he showed up as Barry Swatero. And when he was registered at Punahou, he was registered as Barry Swatero, Indonesian Muslim. When he went to Occidental College, he went as a foreign student. When he uh, apparently may have gone to Columbia, maybe not, uh, but he was a scholar and the, the form of scholarship which he had was available only to foreign students and uh, so he's either foreign or he's not but he's foreign and you know I find it sort of humorous and humor is a wonderful uh, uh, elixir when you're dealing with the kind of stuff that David Hawkins and I have been dealing with and let's just go right for the bottom of the toilet we have worked our way from 9-11 to the murder of children and the drinking of children's blood for the andron, you probably know it better than me, adrenochrome, which old elitists think that by drinking this super high, uh, super oxygenated blood of adolescents or younger, 
that they're going to extend their life. There was a guy named David Rockefeller who who uh, used up the warranties on three or four or five hearts, and all the if he was ever involved in drinking human blood of children, and I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying the elitist are and have been. Well, that's why the people at SES are running for cover. That's why people in Hollywood may be running for cover, because. Uh, and I don't want to go off too far on the Christian angle, but I will tell people that Daniel 2.21 and 22 is not a misprint, that everything that has occurred in the darkness will be illuminated. And we're doing it right now, you and I, Douglas, and uh, I've been doing it with David for a long time. And David is really the one eventually you should be communicating with, but he is so... Um, knowledgeable. In fact, he's the most intelligent human that I've ever interacted with that that could interact. I mean, he can interact, but not very well. And so he needs a foil or a interpreter. And so I take his 260 IQ point communications and I bring it down, you know, to a guy like David Hogg, a C minus student with no talent. And I could explain it to David Hogg right now that he's not fooling anybody with the Shabbat uh, are you familiar with the word Shabbat, C-H-A-B-A-D? Oh, yes. Okay, because I'm pronouncing it wrong. Over in Israel, it would be, pardon me, I hope I don't spit on you across the waves, but uh, I think it would be pronounced Chabad, like, a, like you're clearing your throat. But anyway, uh, there's people, and I know that you have some uh, Jesuit background, but listen, let me set the uh, table even. I have some sinner background. So whatever's in your background, whatever's in my background, I really I don't care. I don't have time to worry about yesterday. I'm worried about the future. And are are my children and grandchildren going to be gunned down by David Hogg, his FBI father and a CNN mother? Or are my children and my grandchildren going to uh, be raised in a new paradigm? And if I say nothing else or if I have a heart attack right now and fall off this uh, stool in my wife's kitchen, um, I I feel so strongly, I'm 100% confident that the good guys are going to win, and not because we're good guys or not because they're bad guys, but God has ordained it, and I, will, I won't quote much, but I'll quote this, Proverbs 21.31, the horse has been made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests on the Lord. Uh, victory's coming, I'm 100% sure. Uh, um, and if, if it weren't to come, I don't want to be here. I don't like the condition of the world, but I know, I know the hopes and the plans that the creator of the world has, and I can't wait to witness him with my eyes. Over to you, Douglas. Wow, Field. Uh, uh, you're like listening to Van Morrison. It's like a religious experience. And, uh, you know, people may think that what you're saying sounds a little wild, but it's not wild at all. Move back in time a little bit, and there was human sacrifice very few years ago. A little bit further back, and people drank their blood. A little bit further back, there was cannibalism. We still see that in a lot of animistic religious symbolism. So what you're speaking about that goes on, that the, the heinous crimes up in Canada, if people don't understand that Canada is one of the worst places for stealing children who are in social services and has been for decades and decades and decades, and, and we could get into the very details that have come to the news so many times. So what you say 
to some people sounds like, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. No, no, people, you need to understand when people get power, when they get money, when they follow the path of the seven deadly sins, it leads to the ancient times when there was tribal warlords who through power literally did shed the blood and take advantage in all of these kind of cannibalistic ways. This wasn't a long time ago in human history. It's only a blink of an eye if you really want to look at it. So what you're talking about is always, I see it as cultural development and that the evil ones are, they're devolving. It's non-cultural development. It's going back in culture where we're going to the dark ages with some political movements, some theocratic ideas. We're going back into prehistory with the way that some of these what we would call uh, perhaps uh, corruptocrats or American oligarchs, they get so much power and then they get the cover of your sister who creates systems that basically allow evil to become completely normal. Not, not only normal, it's legal. It's the club that people want to get in. It's, you know, these swamp creatures, they love it. There is no evil that they don't enjoy. And so when they talk about, you know, death cultures or the Bohemian Grove or as human sacrifice, folks, in Masonic ritual, it's about human sacrifice. And we could even look into Christian, uh, the Eucharist. It's about the body and the blood. These things aren't far away. They're still here. And when we talk about pedophilia, human sacrifice, when we talk about trafficking, slavery, slavery right now is, is completely condoned by the United States government. There are hundreds of thousands of people who go missing every year, and literally there's no one to report it to, except the agencies, which are private agencies, which go pick up those people and then use them for human trafficking. 1.5 million people have come up missing from the refugees in Turkey. Is anyone going to notice that? Did they also notice that a Chinese largest troop carriers arrived in Syria and, you know, parked right next to Turkey, and then those people came up missing? They came twice with no troops and left. People don't want to admit that the refugee program, 64 million refugees created by the bombing of seven countries by Obama, they don't want to admit that there's 68 million refugees, and each one of them brings the refugee program's money. The United Nations was making a fortune off of it, the Knights of Malta, the Vatican, George Soros' Open Society, New Tides, the USAID, it's, you have pointed that out so clearly, Field, that when you look deep into any of these flows of streams of money, the corruption is so profound that if you do not have a belief in Jesus Christ, you may not be able to face the evil. And so we see this, and uh, like I was saying, I have a bit of chagrin in my uh, tone because the more evil you point out, the more work we have to do. Yes, I want to uh, bring up something. You were talking about missing children. And uh, I, th you may not be familiar with this, uh, you may, but a lot of your listeners wouldn't be. And I think I'm quoting this correctly, that there's an uh, organization in Washington, D.C. called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. My suggestion to you, and this is a suggestion and it's an opinion, but it's not a fact. I believe that they have nothing to do with trying to find missing children. I think it's just like FEMA. The Federal Emergency Management uh, Administration or agency, they have nothing to do with responding to emergencies. They are all about creating emergencies. 
Uh, if we go to Sandy Hook, uh, I would point out that very few of your listeners would know that the day before the Sandy Hook hoax, the Chicago region, which is Region 5 of DMORT, D-M-O-R-T, which is a remote and mobile mortuary service, uh, the Chicago region of DMORT was in Sandy Hook the day before the alleged shooter did whatever he was alleged to have done, which he didn't do, of course. FEMA uh, creates emergencies. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children accommodates uh, Hillary Clinton and my sister. And I don't know if you would have known this. It doesn't matter. On the 21st of August of 2014, I was in the jury box in Pierce County, Wisconsin, and uh, they had picked 12 of us to be in the box. And the judge uh, who, you know, I don't look up to him as a judge. He's not my judge. My judge is a lot higher. But anyway, he looked at the 12 of us and he said, before I release the alternative jurors, do any of you 12 have a personal relationship to pedophilia? And I raised my hand. And of course, judges don't have any more IQ than you and I, probably less. He looks at his cheat sheet and he sees that the hand is attached to where Mr. McConnell is seated. So he says, Mr. McConnell, you're telling me you have a personal relationship with pedophilia? And I said, yes, judge, not, not yes, your honor, but yes, judge, my sister and Hillary Clinton run the greatest global net-centric pedophile procurement service in the world. And that was Pedogate, and the national version of Pedogate is Pizzagate. And yet to this day, there's plenty of people in Washington, D.C. that don't think Pizzagate ever existed. Well, yeah, it existed, and I exposed it myself in court under oath on the 21st of August of 2014. And uh, interestingly enough, as you know, I'm over in England right now because my wife isn't allowed into the U.S., uh, we've, we've jumped through the hoops. We've done everything that has been required of us. I anticipate she will be getting a visa uh, fairly soon. But if not, I have a fallback plan, which uh, is probably going to be very, uh, well, it'd probably be very effective. I'll leave it at that. Uh, my fallback plan hadn't been revealed to anybody, including my wife. But uh, there's a lot of very, very good and powerful things going on in the United States I don't know. Um, this is a straight question. I'm not trying to put you in a corner, but are you aware that Donald Trump has scheduled a Veterans Day victory parade for November 11th in Washington? I didn't know the date was settled. I had heard him speaking about it before, and he uh, had said he'd wanted it, but that's all I know. Oh, yes, it's been, it's been scheduled, and he's actually handed it off to the people that need to do the uh, gopher work. And uh, I'm hoping, uh, I'm, I'm confident that my wife and I will be attending the Victory Parade on November 11th, which is Veterans Day, which is also my parents' anniversary. And both of my parents are deceased veterans and their, their remains, of course, they're in heaven, uh, but their remains um, are, they're in a, a joint grave. Uh, it's vertically separated. One casket's on top of the other. Um, to save space, of course, uh, but they're in Arlington National Cemetery, and um, you know my college classmate Chick Burlingame, the captain of American 77. It is alleged that his remains 
are in uh, Arlington, which is impossible because his aircraft did not hit the Pentagon. His aircraft was destroyed elsewhere, uh, premeditated murder, but let's not waste time. I've talked about that a thousand times, but I'm very, very confident. I'm confident my wife and I will be, uh, you know, just a couple of flies on the wall at the victory parade. I'm also confident that there is a 50% chance or higher that uh, on Memorial Day of this year, uh, I may be in a position to hand the United States Marine Corps College Scholarship Program the biggest single check they've ever uh, taken. Uh, and it might even be a check that's bigger than the last year's contributions. And it's simply because there are a few of us Marines. Uh, Donald Trump has three very obvious Marines. He's got a fourth one, excuse me, a fifth one that's sort of concealed. He has a fourth one also. Uh, but there's other Marines, and I guess it's appropriate to tell you the reason why the Marine Corps is different than every other service, and that's simply because of the convention where a president has to get the approval of Congress to uh, create a war on foreign soil, but the president can deploy Marines anywhere in the world 24-7, 365, because he wants to. And that's why the Marines are generally the first to fight, and they're also the first to get withdrawn, because once the Marines go in and establish a foothold, if the war, if the military action is legitimate, then the army can be deployed. But I don't want to get into a history of how our laws have been abused by Congress and a variety of presidents, but I will tell you that as sure as I'm sitting here, and I'm just miles from Farnborough, England, which is the birthplace of their aviation industry. But as sure as I'm sitting here three miles from Farnborough, I expect to be involved in a very patriotic, multi-million dollar um, contribution to the Marine Corps Scholarship Fund as early as, well, I think it will occur on Memorial Day in Canton, Texas. Uh, that That's out of my control. That's in God's control. But I will keep you and your uh, listeners up to date with that progress, but uh, I am 100% sure, not 99% sure, I'm 100% sure that Donald Trump, who is not a politician, has been uh, created for the role he's currently playing, just as I was created for the role that I've been playing for 11 and a half years. And the role I play is very simple, Douglas. I expose evil, I do it without fear and favor, uh, not only has nobody killed me yet, no, nobody nobody can rain on my parade. You know, if I fell off my stool and bumped my head right now, I'd be in heaven right away. And the price of the ticket has already been paid for, and it's a first-class seat, and it's a, uh, it's a retirement program that's out of this world. But until God himself calls me home, I'm going to, and I'm going to change gears here, watch this. Until God himself calls me home, I'm going to kick ass. <laughs> and that's what God wants me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I agree, and you do, and you're a true patriot, your family's true patriots, and I'm so glad you're going to be there, and I'm going to pray that your wife gets that visa and slides through that nonsense and, and gets back home where you belong. Uh, but I also feel sorry for Britain while you're over there, because I'm sure you're going to reveal a whole bunch of nonsense they're up to. So uh, I just want to say that when we were, took up your idea of looking into SES, 
Um, well, first off, I want to say, you know, Christine Marcy. Mm-hmm. Well, everything we hear about her, just pure evil. Every time we look into it, everything you say is true, and we've only scratched the surface. Do you think that you were like put into the same family because you were like opposites or something? Two sides of a coin. You're the, you, you know, you're like you're Christian. You believe in people. You're not, and then she's like just evil. I, and also, what's her reaction to the fact that you said that she responded to you recently? Uh, something about SES, I don't remember the exact words, I don't want to misquote you, but somehow the whole SES uh, thing coming to surface and all that you're doing about this got her attention. Is that true? Yes. um, I can't tell you exactly. Wait a minute. I might be able to ask my wife. Did I leave Wisconsin on the 22nd of March, maybe? It was a Tuesday. I think, think, I'm pretty sure on I'm pretty sure that on Monday, the 21st of March, last month, I got an email from my sister. It was the first contact I'd gotten in six years, and I interpreted it as she was trying to extend an olive branch or surrender because, and uh, you know, I want to be as accurate as I can be because I've talked about this in other venues, but she contacted me via email and said that it's tax time, and so she wanted to make sure I knew that uh, one, two, three wealth management accounts that my parents left for each of their seven grandchildren, she wanted to make sure I knew that she was going to be taking care of the tax ramifications of those accounts. Okay, here's what is unusual and out of character, and this is why I interpret that as she's rolling over and playing dead because of SES exposure, which I give a lot of thanks to you and the other people that have picked up the SES baton in this relay race for life. Um, My sister, apparently, uh, she's been watching me since 2007, and she never thought that uh, David Hawkins and myself would ever prevail But the thing she's never understood is that it's never been David Hawkins and myself. It's been God. God put David Hawkins and I together. We're complete opposites. Um, We never should have met. Well, we did. But uh, in fact, the very first meeting, I should have told him to buzz off. And there's a little humor coming here. We need humor at this point. But when he called me for the first time on December 6th of 2006, uh, he had been, uh, another whistleblower had suggested that David get a hold of me. Uh, the other whistleblower's name, to be fair, is Dan Hanley, who was a United Airlines pilot who was blowing the whistle on the corrupt uh, bankruptcy of United Airlines. But anyway, he told David to call me. David calls me. I answer my phone at about 6 p.m. on the 6th of December of 2006, and I say my name, and he says, uh, My name's David Hawkins, and I was told to talk to you about some aviation events of 9-11. Are you a pilot? And I said, yes. And he said, are you a military pilot? And I said, yes. And he said, are you an airline pilot? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, this is just like a kid on Christmas. He said, here it comes. He said, are you a drunk? (laughs) I thought that was the world's greatest non sequitur, and what a way to end a communication. (laughs) I'm a little bit shocked. (laughs) Yeah, no. I said, uh, no, I'm not a drunk, but what would that have to do with it? The truth is the truth. And a lot of people, 
reminds me of that Marine Corps movie with Jack Nicholson and uh, Tom Cruise. Some people can't handle the truth, and I'm afraid, and I mean, I'm not afraid of much, but I am afraid of this. I'm afraid that there's a lot of people in our country and around the world that are so despondent. They know that something's terribly, terribly wrong. They have no idea how it can possibly be fixed. And some of these people, uh, you know, they'll turn to a variety of things to sort of get through their day or night or to ease their pain. And some of the easiest things to turn to are alcohol, drugs, or violence. Mm -hmm. And uh, my heart goes out to them. So I would just like to reach out now verbally, if, if you're not offended, Douglas, and say, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice or AIM's voice that is discouraged and despondent, please be of good cheer. And now I'm going to embarrass myself because I'm not sure it's John 16:33, but somewhere in John it says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Douglas, as sure as I'm sitting here in the United Kingdom uh, with my wife, Denise, four feet away, I am confident that we are living in the time when God is going to reveal himself again. And those people in the senior executive service, those people working for George Soros, the deep state, those people engaging in uh, pornography and the uh, murder of children, and notice I didn't say anything about the Clinton Foundation or Haiti, but I could have. Uh, Haiti, that, that earthquake was not natural. Uh, just like Katrina, that, that flood was not natural. In both cases, the Clinton Foundation created a whole lot of suffering for black people. They created a fair number of orphans, mostly whom were black in Haiti, and a majority of whom were black in New Orleans. And what they do when they create orphans is they create a pool of <clears throat> human trafficking uh, pieces. And then when the traffic gets done, and I'm going to tell you something about Cecil Rhodes here that's really grim. But first, when they're, when they're done trafficking these young people, and for whatever reason, those young people are no longer desired by their abusers, then they kill them because a human body is worth close to a billion dollars in parts. And yet look at the 25 to 50 million human bodies we in America have allowed to be destroyed after Roe v. Wade. And I'm starting to sound like I'm fairly um, conservative or uh, a mamby-pamby, but I'll tell you what, I was not aborted. And I would say to anyone out there that, and I know that there's reasons why sometimes abortions uh, are uh, a wiser choice, but I find so much hypocrisy in the Clintons and the Warren Buffetts and the George Soros and the Bill Gates. If they want to depopulate, why have they not demonstrated some leadership and depopulated themselves? <laughs> That's a beautiful idea. I, I totally support that. And immediately, if, if at all possible. You know, again, you sound sometimes like you're wild and out there, but what you're saying is absolutely true. And I quite agree that we need to send love out to everyone in the opioid uh, addiction. These are straight people with straight jobs given drugs by doctors that kill them. 
And they're coming across the southern border, and the pharmaceutical companies are able to make uh, pills that are 100 times stronger than heroin. Why would that even be allowed? It's institutionalized. We mentioned before, the missing children, they usually come up missing from social service placements, foster homes. When they're in the hands of the government, they simply come up missing. They're called runaways, but nobody nobody runs after them. The agency you're talking about, they don't try to recover anybody. They... They really don't. As a matter of fact, they're quite nefarious, as you pointed out. And this is not new. This has been happening in history. There's always been slavery in history. It's just that now it's hidden, it's institutionalized, and we actually pay for it. We actually pay the people who create these systems, just as Marcy, Christine Marcy, your sister, has created system after system that has... It's so evil from the outset that if someone has described a picture of it, as you have described... And because you give a framing and you frame the whole thing, it sounds sometimes, Field, I have to tell you, it sounds like too much for people to handle. It's all true, what you're saying. If you look into this, you just find so many details, it's shocking, it will be depressing. What we always try to do, and you do too, you go straight to the source, straight to the divine. We always give some lame suggestions, you know, but they're not really lame. There are things that can be done. For instance, the SES could be simply outlawed this year because the omnibus budget allows Trump to use the Holman Clause, which allows him to pay any set of federal employees $1 for the year. We suggest that the 500 Department of Justice lawyers who run the SES as the um, highest review board, they're the ones with the secrets of who gets what money, and they keep it keep it very, very secret. We suggest he make them all $1 a year for uh, however long. One dollar, that's what they need to be paid. See if they really love what they do. Uh, they won't. They're lawyers. They'll leave. And once, once they're act- done, then, you know, what, what we could say is, and this is, you're, you, I want to know if I'm incorrect, and I may be certainly incorrect. Please correct me. I want to know, people say that there are good people in the SES, but see, there's the civil service, and then there's the SES, and they did no, 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 they're quite different. These are the people who from the get-go get paid more than anybody, get special deals, get special awards, get amazing waivers that they don't even have to report whether they're a foreign spy. They don't have to be an American, and they get paid taxpayer dollars. So some people say there's no good people in SES. I'm not sure of that. I, I want to be a little bit more liberal and say if there are people who've come up through civil service work and they have merit and they have earned what they have as a position to be a leader in these agencies, they might need to have special consideration. But in general, people just say, get rid of the 10,000 SES members, 8,000 or 9,000 of them are Obama appointees, and just get rid of it all together. I I don't know. I don't want to go that far. I don't want to be that radical. But on the other hand, I can't find any real reasons why anybody I look up in the system uh, Mm. who are really the the major criminal players in Washington, D.C., in almost every single case... I really can't find many, many reasons to say that the SES should go on. So, Field, set me straight. What, what have we said wrong about the SES, or, or how can we counteract it, or how should we get rid of it, should we transform it? What's your advice? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, what I'm going to do, regardless of what I think, is I'm going to communicate uh, directly with Donald Trump and suggest that he uh, endeavors to remove the SES uh, with, but with prejudice, in other words, for the SES people who will admit that they have been hired uh, to 
be obstructionist in the flow of control from low to high. In other words, at the bottom of the Department of Defense, there's people making 35 or 40,000 bucks a year that are doing real work and they're working to get ahead and to have a career and to gain a retirement and to provide for their families. And yet if they send good ideas up the food chain, it might go all the way up into the top until it hits SES and they'll, they'll block it. So the SES, uh, a, a lot of times it helps if you have a catchphrase. Here's a catchphrase for SEF, SES, overnight coup. The <laughs> night the night before SES uh, was in uh, effect, we had semi-legitimate uh, vessels or bureaucracies. I'm going to pick this glass of water, and it really is water, even though there's other clear liquids. If, if this volume of liquid that's visible to the camera right now, if this is all the good people in the Department of Defense, overnight in 1979, SES, Jimmy Carter, and my sister, Christine Marcy, stuck some complete idiot in charge of Department of Defense. So all the people that had been there for three years, five years, 19 years, and they've steadily worked towards a goal of getting as high in the chain as they can possibly get for a lot of good reasons, to provide for their family, to provide for the education of their ch children, to provide uh, for their retirement. Uh, and yet overnight in 79, the whole process stopped I'd like to call it an overnight coup, and I would uh, I would look forward to an opportunity to argue my sister on that, and I guarantee you it would be a very short argument because she has anger management issues that rival Linda Blair. Now, you've forgotten that Linda Blair was in the movie called The Exorcist, hmm. but when, and it was set in Georgetown, and it's in Washington, D.C., and Linda Blair's character, uh, when the, uh, I think it was actually a Jesuit priest, but I know it was a Catholic priest for sure, but he went up to exercise the demons from this young girl, and her head spun around. I've seen, I have not seen my sister Christine Marcy's head do a 360, but I've seen it spin so fast that a cobra snake would be, just getting its tongue ready to come out, and my sister would have bitten its head off. That's how fast. Uh, my sister is, I'm not going to say she's possessed, but I will say that she's obviously serving Satan. Because she's serving Satan, <clears throat> and I'm attempting to serve Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you who's going to win and who's going to lose. Not because of her abilities or lack thereof, not because of my abilities of lack or lack thereof. Her whole body of work going back to 1966 has all been about treason, uh, serving Satan, and trying to destroy the country that my parents, both naive as they were, they both fought for and believed in. My father was a POW of the Japanese in World War II of the 12 men on his airplane, he was one of two survivors. Uh, my mother was an army nurse. She nursed him back to health. This is starting to feel like, this is starting to sound like the Field McConnell show. It's not about that. It's about right and wrong. My mother was right. My father was right. My sister is wrong. And God has asked me to expose evil. And I don't think you detect any unwillingness in the way I behave, do you, Douglas, uh, to 
to answer the call to expose evil. I'm doing everything I can think of, and I will continue until the day I die. Oh, that's absolutely true. And every every broadcast you've ever given, and every word you've ever said, how do you feel about SES members getting paid a fortune? In some cases, their base pay starts at the level of what the vice president is paid, and then they go up from there to any amount compared to those soldiers you just talked about, your parents, my dad who helped liberate Italy, you know, put his life on the line many times. Uh, the only man who survived from the company, every other man was killed in one particular battle. You know, these these people who put their lives on the line and then there's SES members who aren't really even Americans, in my opinion. They're globalists. They're people who've sold out America for their corporate elite pay. And here are soldiers coming back missing limbs. And what do we do? They don't even get good treatment at VA. I, I had to go to VA hospitals when I got out. And I tell you, there's, no, there's, there's nothing quite like that. Uh, so what do you think about that field? Uh, for me, the, the righteous wrath that arises in me when I see the way that the disparity between the elite shadow government and this completely legal way for them to be paid as, as uh, corporate stooges, and then on the other hand, the very kind of people you were just describing, yourself included in your wife, who really do wish to be there in Washington, D.C., so that you can be a true patriot and demonstrate that in front of everyone. I, I, I get really upset when I see that, and it's not anger, it's wrath. Okay, let me ask you a question that's none of my business, but it's not that embarrassing, so here it comes. <laughs> I'm, 60, I'm 68 years old. How old are you, Douglas? Uh, 63. Okay, you're 63, so using my advanced age, I will strongly encourage you not to not to let yourself become enraged or or don't let your wrath show because um, and it's difficult to conceal it. It's difficult for me. I figure that I'm an advocate for the enlisted forces, not just of the United States Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, and Coast Guard, and the reservist and the uh, Air, the guard, the National Guard, and the Air National Guard. I'm an advocate for the enlisted forces of every military service in every country, in every generation, because they've all been lied to by their leaders, they've been lied to by their nations, and they've been working for the bankers, and they've been working for the, in our generation today, the globalist, and uh, that's going to come to an end, but let me, that's very easy for me to say, and yet, it lacks substance. Let me give you some substance. On May, well, I don't know what day Memorial Day is this year, but Memorial Day is generally in late May, and I've had the opportunity and the blessing to be able to speak in Canton, Texas, on two or three occasions. And uh, there's a, uh, I used to fly fighter aircraft, big deal. But there's an F-4 Phantom. Um, now, uh, keep in mind that an F-4 Phantom was the probably one of three iconic aircraft in Vietnam. The B-52 Buff was iconic. The Huey helicopter was iconic. And the F-4, I th it's not my favorite fighter from Vietnam, but it's the one that I flew. And uh, it's very iconic. But what are the odds of this? And I'm going to do this slowly, not for you, Douglas. I'm going to do this slowly for your listeners. If we can agree that 5,200... F-4 Phantoms were built, what are the odds that the F-4 Phantom that is the center attraction at the Van Zant County Memorial, which is, I'm going to do it alpha phonetically, VZCM, 
or militarily, Victor Charlie, let's see, VZC, yeah, Victor Mike Charlie Zulu, Victor Mike Charlie, Van Zant County Memorial, nope, Victor, anyway, Van Zant, VZ, County Memorial, Charlie Mike, VZCM.org. There is a specific F4 down there. It's not one that's like one I flew. It is one I flew for 13 years. And this is gonna this is gonna show you the hand of God in a way you've never seen it before. Uh, that particular F4 Phantom, which I flew for 13 years, was one of only two out of 5,200. So now the odds get vastly thinner. Uh, two out of 5,200s, that's one out of 2,600. What are the odds that that airplane that's on the pole in Van Zandt County Memorial, Canton, Texas, was once used by British Aerospace, which is a foreign corporation, to test drone-to-drone -drone air refueling. In other words, the airplane that people can find by... In, there's no ego in this, but my name is Field McConnell, and if somebody just uses a search engine and puts in Field McConnell apostrophe S, Field McConnell's jet, the picture of that airplane comes up. Hmm. And the reason why that is, uh, I believe it's an act of God, is because it allows me with great accuracy to claim that foreign corporations have been using the United States military for the privatization of war. Now, as you know, there's three sovereign land masses that are all roughly a square mile. Washington, D.C. provides the military might. City of London provides the funding. And no offense to a former clergyman, but the Vatican, and I'm not picking on the Vatican or the Catholic Church, I am, to some degree, questioning the Roman Catholic Church, and to a very, very large degree, I'm questioning who it is that the Jesuits at the Vatican truly serve. Are they serving Jesus, or are they serving something else? I don't know. Their actions tell me they're serving something else, and this is not one world unless it's God's world. And I'll tell you what, when God gives up on his world, I'll go away but it isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen in my life, your life, or I've got uh, one, two, three, four grandchildren that are either have been born in the last two months or they're going to be born this week. I have a daughter who is having her first child any day, any minute. And, uh, you know, I fight for a lot of people. I don't fight for myself. If somebody wants to beat me up, go ahead, bring a baseball bat, bring a gun, bring a knife. But you better get God's blessing before you show up. Otherwise, you might you might just have your ass handed to you. <laughs> and see, that's what people, I confuse people because they say, how can he quote scripture and then use vulgarities? Well, what's a vulgarity? Is a vulgarity, say, having your ass handed to you or 25 missing million children this year? I ask you that question, Doug. What's more vulgar? That that's a colloquialism. That's not vulgar. That's no, like, I know. My name is my name is Thomas Paine of the ass of the globalists. Okay, Paine of the ass. It's a, it's a colloquialism. It's not a it's not a using a word improperly, or um, you know. Yeah, uh, I know. So I got a question. Yes. What should we do next at Aim for Truth? What should we do? The American intelligence media. We. Uh, want to know if there's anything further we need to reveal about SES. Is there any 
uh, icing on the cake that you would like for us to do? Have we gone in the right directions? We still have a lot of documents and we can go into all the fights that happened for like Michael Hayden fighting to get the SES, or which was the SIS, into uh, into the NSA. It's like, what? What? <laughs> Why would there be... That's when the corporate intelligence took over. The SES moving into intelligence uh, thoroughly uh, was the sign that we basically don't even have uh, an intelligence community. It's the entire world's intelligence community. So the question is for you, what... Is there anything that we need to do, anything we've left undone, uh, or any more measures that we can take against SES to see if we can, you know, uh, put the icing and the whipped cream and the cherry on top of that cake? I think, actually, we've done enough damage. And when I say we, it's not just Able Danger and AIM. There's other uh, truth outlets who've uh, sort of taken the baton like a relay race, and they've they've done it. I could name a few, but I don't want to name a few if I can't name them all. That's not fair. Um, but I think SES is dead in the water, and I will work. Uh, in fact, I've got uh, I've got Betsy's email, and I'll keep her uh, in the loop uh, in the communications that I send daily. By the way, when I say I send it, what I mean by I is able danger, and when I say able danger. That means David Hawkins, Field McConnell, and probably 30,000 people around the world of all colors, black and yellow, red and white, uh, Buddhist, Hindus, agnostics, atheists, uh, gay people, straight people, transgendered people. Uh, I, you know, no fear, no favor, but don't try to hide behind a politically correct barrier or I'll blow it down. My sister is a raging hybristophiliac lesbian. I don't I don't uh, understand lesbianism, but yet I don't badmouth it because I don't understand it. I know that God in the book of Romans has expressed his feelings, and I would share that with anybody that asked me to share it, but I'm not going to force it on them. It's none of my business. You know, God made me uh, a heterosexual male Caucasian, and I thank him not that I was born in America, not that I'm a male, not that I'm heterosexual, not that I'm Caucasian. I just thank him and bless him every day of my life that he's got me alive. And he's, for whatever reason, God himself has trusted me to, to some degree, carry the water for this battle. And, and uh, this battle is written in Ephesians. And if somebody asked me where in Ephesians to look, I'd say, well, I'd start in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, and then go back at 1 and read the whole book. It's very short. wouldn't take you a night. Wouldn't take you an hour. But uh, Ephesians 5.11, when God called me at 3.35 p.m. on Monday, the 4th of December of 2006, uh, and I'll, I, I'm not going to do it right now. I could. I've done it many times. But uh, in deference to your listeners, I won't say the prayer that I said. But I will tell you, that Douglas, that, and I will send it to you and Betsy immediately after this. But I said a prayer that was very short um, at 3.35 p.m. on Monday, the 4th of December. And I said, uh, this is the last time I'm going to ask you, God. I feel strongly that you have something more important for me to do for your kingdom on this earth, for your purpose. And you know it before I think it or say it, that I'll do it no matter what it might cost me. And I meant my life. But... um, You know, from that moment until this very moment, he's never told me to slow down, speed up, go left, go right, 
stop. He's never told me to use less um, gender-specific metaphors, and boy, did I used to use a lot of them. And that's the only reason the people that don't like the truth gave me a get-out-of-jail-free card as they thought I was nuts. Well, now my sister, Christine Marcy, uh, no longer thinks I'm nuts. And even if she did, I don't care because I'm not. I am a dedicated warrior. This is not my battle, but I've been called into it. And uh, like a good little Marine, and by the way, I don't favor Marines over other um, forms of military service. It's just that that's the service I was in. And the training is pretty fundamental. And there's a cliche amongst Marines and non-Marines alike. Once a Marine, always a Marine, and you can't cure it. Well, in this case, you don't want to cure it because I'm not fighting for the United States. I'm fighting for every little child that's ever been born into this world. And I'm fighting against everybody. And think of Matthew 18, 5 and 6. Anybody who has ever caused one of these little ones of his to stumble, I'm going to have their ass, Doug. <laughs> I think that was kind of the uh, new American free rendering uh, on the last part there. But I agree with you. That, see, I was a teacher uh, after I was uh, in the priesthood, then I went in the military, then I was a teacher. And when I was in the priesthood, listen, I saw the evil in the Catholic Church. So Jesuit, yeah, I was also a Trappist. I was also Benedictine. But the point is, is that's not where it's at. These kind of old institutions are so filled with evil. It's just so, so disturbing. So I got completely away from that. And I didn't even take the full vow because the Manresa meditation was basically a form of, well, I, I don't even know. It's apocalyptic, materialistic and not spiritual and many jesuits have nothing to do with jesus christ they are not even they're not roman catholics they're not catholic they're not christian they are as you said you know what are they well they're they kind of serve themselves they're called liberation theologists which is another form of marxism and communism and they're called apocalyptic theologists because they want armageddon to come now what kind of person wants the end to come now, not not the good rapture, not the good stories. No, no, we're talking about a very bad story is what the Jesuits want. And now, basically, they've taken over the Catholic Church. So I have no love whatsoever for the Roman Catholic Church at this point, except for the faithful believers who really are still, you know, carrying that religious sentiment uh, and that connection to the divine. Now, I want to ask one more question before our time is over, and that's that Serco, are we right field? Should we now go after Serco? Yeah, let me just show you my script. I don't have a script, but I don't know if you can see, uh, your listeners can see I'm putting my pen up next to four uh, items. One item has a line through it. The line is through senior executive service. I think that we have inflicted a fatal wound on them, and I say that because my sister rolled over and played dead. Now, next up is Serco, so I'd say yes. Why don't uh, not only AIM and Able Danger, why don't a lot of the truth people, uh, they can use me sort of like a bloodhound. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a bloodhound. I'm not a dog. Uh, I'm a, Marines are devil dogs, and you don't want to get bit by one. But, uh, no, it's SES is dead in the water. Circo, I would say, is next up. Behind that would be the Crown Agents. Uh, and, uh, and I just want to say that, you know, there's a, I don't know if it's a cliche or a historic literature remark, but there's a comment that a friend of mine in Tel Aviv listening right now, where it's two hours later, it's 9 p.m. in Israel. Uh, 
there's a phrase, methinks thou doth protest too much. Well, British Aerospace, uh, one of their senior engineers uh, ripped me a new one in writing on our own Able Danger blog and told me I didn't know anything. And they, this person went on and on, had diarrhea of the ill-informed mouth. And the funny part was, this it happened, well, it doesn't matter what gender, but it's a female. And it was very proud of her uh, college degrees and her position, but she should be terribly ashamed of her ignorance because she had no way of knowing. She was representing British Aerospace, B-A-E, and she has no way of knowing that my forte, or if, if I'm known for anything on the Internet, it's for the remote control of airliners, and my aircraft, Field McConnell's jet, on the pole in Canton, Texas, was used by BAE for the privatization of war. Now, you find a person in Rwanda, North Korea, Yemen, Syria, the United States, New Zealand, or Russia that wants to have a bunch of bankers waging war against we the people, and, uh, you know, I'll be shocked. I've never talked to anyone who wants one, but British Aerospace has now exposed themselves to some righteous return fire and uh, now speaking as someone who was in the military, uh, if there's an ambush, you better make sure that you're going to ambush the other people instead of yourself. When this person opened up with what she thought were her big guns, she's about ready to be blown away. And I don't say that with any pride or any ego. She doesn't have the truth on her side. And uh, from what I've seen so far, she, I doubt if she has God on her side. You know, God doesn't deal in deception. Uh, there are entities that say we will wage war by deception, but that is of the person who is the father of deception, of Satan. And uh, if you've read the book to the end, you see that we win, not him. So I, I would say yes. Uh, SES, I believe, is dead. Circo should be next up. Uh, crown agents would follow and uh, I think before we get past the crown agents we will see victory uh, manifested by God himself he's already ordained it he's ordained it you know throughout the whole book now there's some people who would say field you're nuts um, the Bible is wrong and Christianity is wrong I can argue that with anyone. In fact, if you wanted to take that up right now, Douglas, I would respectfully, <laughs> I, I would discuss it with you. I would say argue. When people reduce themselves to arguing and raising their voices, then both parties lose. Oh, but absolutely. I, I will say this, that God himself has manifested himself to me three times, and the third time he... And it's not like a shape of a human. It's not that at all, as you would, would well understand. But the third time that God manifested himself to me, I said, God, please don't show me yourself anymore. I knew it the first time. I knew it the first time. I knew it the second time. You've now done it a third time. Three is the perfect number from where I sit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, God, so please don't ever think that my faith is such that you need to reveal yourself again. Even when I'm weak, even when I'm wrong, even when I'm discouraged, even though when life kicks me to the teeth, I will never lose faith in you. 
And once you took me by the hand, it was a death grip, and I'm never letting go, and I know you'll never let go of me. And the divine feeds you, so you just keep getting stronger all the time. As Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I've always lived by those words because I think that's what drives people like you and I, the truth, the beauty, the goodness, really trying to bring to others what it is that the divine shows to you uh, in whatever moments those happen. Sometimes, you know, for, for some of us, it may only happen for a second in our whole life, but it can inspire us for our whole life. So everyone knows that. You're like, as I said, I think, I think I said this to you earlier, you're like listening to Van Morrison. You're like a religious experience. Plus, as you say, you you said bulldog. I mean, uh, bloodhound, but you're better than a bloodhound. You've been there. You've experienced it. You're not talking off the top of your head. You're not giving political commentary. You're talking about direct experience, your direct experience of truth. And the fact that you add a religious tone to it, I am completely re- religious, but I don't go to uh, religions. I can, I want direct contact, you know. And one of the ways you can get that is by living your life exactly as you do which is living on the line and not knowing what words will come to your mouth next, but trusting that the divine will give them to you. And you've been doing that all along. And it has inspired us because we said, well, look, you know, he's doing this. We should do this. And my friend John Barnwell is such a disciple of yours that when you just put up those three, the three lists, the one in the bottom, the crown, he's going to go into the whole livery thing that you've been teaching everybody. And he's been wanting to do that for so long. So now he feels so justified because <laughs> we're, I've, we're starting to hammer on Circo and you'll see an article out intelligence report here in the next few days is the beginning. And then we're going to keep hammering on it just as you suggest everybody hammer on it. And then you can't do that unless you get to the crown. It leads straight to the Queen in the city of London, exactly as you say. It leads to the uh, Eunice, New Mexico, to the uh, uranium enrichment plant, the only one left in America, owned by the Queen. It leads to Rio Tinto. It leads to Serco. It leads to the patent control that, that literally Serco controls our patents. This is insanity. So thank you again. I love your list. That gives us great encouragement. And, and when you said Serco's dead in the water... That made me so happy because now I can relax. I don't have to go back into the mines. and I mean, SES is dead in the water. I don't have to go back to the mines and keep doing SES because we need to move on and we need to show how then this connects. So could you say a word? Because I don't know. I think the Brits, uh, they're still invading us. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're right. They control us today. They control us uh And I think the most heinous of their control mechanisms is the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, which they've controlled since 1802, which means that every stroke of brilliance by an American inventor going back uh, 216 years, the Brits have been picking off our IQ and using it for themselves. But um, I want to show you how unscripted I am. And, of course, you know and Betsy knows that we didn't even talk about having this radio show until about five hours ago. So we've gone from five hours ago not even having discussed a possible radio show to now it's almost in the can. But you just uh, said something which made me think of Isaiah 55:11, And uh, I'm not sure I can quote this actu- accurately, but if anyone looks at Isaiah 55:11 in the NIV, it is something close to this. 
And so it is with the words of my mouth. They will not depart from me and return void without having accomplished the purpose for which I sent them. And so when when I talk in a way that confuses some people, it's it's not on purpose. That's my nature. But I'll tell you, if people hold my feet to the fire and say, Field, what do we need to do to save the world? I'd say one word, love. Yeah. You know, God loved us first. So why don't we love him back by not just serving him, but also sharing uh, my my goal for my life. I'm 68. I could be dead in 20 minutes. So could you. So could my wife. I don't care if she does. She wanted me to hang around for a while. But what, what I want to do is I want to go to Texas and I want to uh, run a veteran's ranch and I want to minister to hurting souls because a majority of the souls around the world are hurting. I went for a walk with my wife here in England yesterday. We saw some uh, their parent recent immigrants to the United Kingdom. There's some form of oriental uh, people that wear their uh, traditional dress. And, you know, they think that they've arrived in England and how wonderful it's going to be. But you could see on their faces despair, uh, discouragement. And uh, I see that. And I've traveled the world, not because I want to, but that's just the way it is. When I uh, when I retired from Northwest Airlines because of my exposure of 9-11, God had a great sense of humor. And he got a Muslim nation to call me over to fly non-Boeing airplanes in a Muslim nation. And I went there, and my, my little bit of traveling, I, I don't need to speak any language. Every person around the world can respond adequately to smiles or tears. And if you can either smile or cry, you'll fit in anywhere in the world because all we need is love. And I'm not talking about the Beatles. And the Beatles didn't come up with that. That was the Tavistock Institute that came up with it. But, you know... Uh, yes, you know, God is love, and if we learn to love ourselves, we can love others, and that's sort of what I'd like to do as my candle grows dim. If any thought comes to my mind when I think about you, it's that you, you're pure humanity, and that you know, you're just, as you say, you're a channel, and that's a beautiful thing, because really, when it comes down to it, no one is saying more than you have said. No one has pointed at the corruption and led in the right direction than I can think of of anybody in the alternative news. And yet, I can't think of anybody who's also more connected to the spiritual or the divine or and also is just purely humble. And, you know, you're an inspiration for all of us. Is I'm sorry, I'm probably getting a little sappy here, but I'm quite serious about that. And uh, I had no idea that I would be having a conversation with someone who quotes so much scripture. I used to be, when I was in the military, I was, um, what do they call that group? We, we memorized uh, Bible passages, and we went around evangelizing, you know? And I was so proud that I had memorized hundreds and hundreds of Bible passages, and they just, they're just food for the soul. They're food for the spirit. So I, I think it's great, you know? You lead us. In a direction to show evil, and at the same time, you bring with you the angelic world uh, to support the battle. And that is what we say. It's a, it's a consciousness battle. It's, it's not just a battle of who's got the information or who's got the power or the leverage. It's, it's about consciousness. And consciousness is, when you think about higher things, it's higher energy. It's higher everything. So uh, I just think it's wonderful. And 
the best thing was your three points. You can't imagine how our group here is going to be so thrilled because we have waited a long time to have this interview with you to see, you know, offer up you offer, offer up to you our offerings of the work that we've done to see if it was okay. And for you to say, SES is dead in the water is the greatest thing and to point that Circo's the next, which we had already started. That's great. And we also, in the research recently, proved that your next point is... You can't do, you can't reveal the Circo if you do not reveal the crown. And if yep. you reveal the crown, you reveal the whole works because, you know, people think the Rothschilds are it, but the Rothschilds serve the crown. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's all, well, they say crown, which makes it si- sound nice, but, you know, there's no royal in this world. The only crown and the only royal is in heaven and crown him with many crowns. Uh, these rest of these people are evil imposters and they don't scare me at all. And by the way, uh, just between me and you and everybody listening, I'll be going through Heathrow Airport in less than 48 hours. And, uh, you know, I will have the opportunity to be stopped or obstructed or harassed. And I, I don't think it's going to happen. I've been treated so very well by the customs people here in the United Kingdom. And some of them go out of their way to smile and indicate. They can't say anything verbally but they indicate with their facial expression and their body language that they know who I am, they know what I do. <clears throat> and, you know, it's very encouraging to me because uh, I'm, I'm pretty open. I mean, I'm working for God, and I'm working against evil. And, uh, you know, God's going to win, evil's going to lose, and I'm gonna, am I going to get cut down? I could care less. I don't think so. I think it's much more likely my sister could be walking the gallows here. Um, In fact, I have a list called the list of Adrian Messenger that I sent to Trump on the 4th of October. It was a Wednesday following the false flag there in Las Vegas. Uh, Somebody who knows me and what I do said, if I told you that I could get a message to Trump, would you have a message for him? And I said, yes, I would. And I, in fact, I'll try to find that message. I'm going to ask my wife to remind me. I'm going to write a note now too. My message to Trump, um, I never throw away emails. I got 56,000 plus today. I mean, I didn't get them today, but they're in my inbox. <coughs> but, uh, well, no, no, it's it's just I, I don't have a good memory, so I have to rely on technology to help me remember. But uh, I did send a message to President Trump regarding the event in Las Vegas, and I told him, I said, it's the same old people. They're trying to scare us. They know they're caught, um, and in this case, it involves names like Shertoff, who uh, maybe you know Michael Shertoff. He made a lot of money on 9-11. He made a lot of money in Las Vegas, and uh, he's a dual citizen of Israel and the U.S. I don't mind naming these guys because they know my name anyway, uh, and they don't call me bloodhound. They call me something less polite, but, you know, they can get frustrated with me for exposing him, but I could never expose them if they hadn't done these evil things. So uh, I'm going to try to find the message that I sent to Donald Trump. Uh, he received it on Wednesday, the 4th of October of 2017 in Las Vegas. It was handed to him by a Las Vegas, a Clark County or a state of Nevada or a military law enforcement professional who was in his personal package. And uh, it involved a list called The List of Adrian Messenger. That's a movie from 1962 or three. And it was my nomination for the first 17 people that should go to Guantanamo. 
And I said, President Trump, if you take these 17 people and make examples of them, I think a vast majority of our congressmen, our senators, and our senior executive service will step down. So, I totally agree. Well, good. As a matter of fact, uh, we said just go after uh, Mueller and the people who were complicit with covering up 911 who watched Building 7 fall and free fall and then didn't do an investigation. Gather those up, do a mir- even a military tribunal, whatever, whatever you got to do, make an example of them exactly as you said, and then the rest would simply run away like rats jumping off a burning ship. Yes, and I love your, uh, you, you had a, uh, I don't know if it's called a meme or what, or a thumbprint, but you guys at AIM had a recent image of a cat with a rat. <laughs> well, here's what I have to say to my sister. Meow. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. That's exactly what we were trying to get yeah. across. Yeah, it's- she's a rat. And uh, so anyway, uh, I think we've done a fair job here for our initial gathering. And, uh, you know, if, if you and Betsy ever want to do anything else, just let me know. Today's a good example. Betsy called me around lunchtime over here and said, uh, well, now that you've said you could do an interview, what do you think about today? I think that I like impromptu because impromptu proves to everybody you don't have time to come up with a script. Oh, yes. And I was a little scripted today because I needed to have your opinion on these things. I, I needed to have your pat on the back and say we were doing okay. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll interview with you anytime, uh, any of your anything, uh, because you know why? Uh, where we could go... If we were completely unscripted, it could be pretty amazing. (laughs) Okay. Well, just let me know any time. And otherwise, I'll thank you for the time you've spent with me today. And it was my pleasure to spend this time with you. And for the many people who told me to steer clear of AIM, uh, that's not how I operate. And that apparently is not how AIM operates. And so I think if everyone just minds their own business and does all the good they can do for the world, uh, then we don't have to compare notes, we don't have to say mine's bigger than yours, or we don't have to say don't listen to him or her. Just tell the truth, and things go well. Absolutely, just as you said. You started this stuff, we're simply helping, and as we do, we need to support each other, not take anybody down, you don't need to mention any nonsense, and uh, just to close out, I just want to again thank you, it's a real honor to speak with you, and it just encourages us as soon as I get back to the conclave, we will be cheering very loudly because we will realize that uh, we have accomplished uh, a mission along with you. And now we're going to take up the second and third mission. And I, again, I just want to thank you for your time. You're an amazing person. And I just feel like I've been blessed by chatting with you. Thank you, Phil. It's been a blessing for my wife and I, too. So thank you, uh, Douglas and Betsy. And uh, we'll be around if you need us. And uh, we'll just say good night for now. And the battle is soon to be over. <laughs>